In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today is the fifth Sunday of Baba, and whenever there's a fifth Sunday in the Coptic month, we have the same gospel reading. We read the gospel of the feeding of the multitudes. It's the week of blessing, so we read this uh, to remind us how much blessing we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, this miraculous feeding of the multitude is also read in the... Um, first Sunday of Mashir in February. It's also read every day during the ninth hour of the Egbeah. Uh, the miracle is also the only miracle that is mentioned in all four Gospels. So the blessed apostles felt that it was worthy of emphasis. So it was, it's this powerful miracle that's worthy of emphasis and worthy of us giving special attention to it. So we know the story, right? We know that after he performed miracles, they followed him um, on foot from the surrounding cities and the apostles were working so hard that they actually didn't have time to eat. So Christ told them, go to this secluded place and get a little bit of rest. That's how hard the apostles were working with Christ. Um, but when they reached that deserted place, the multitude followed them. So they didn't get any rest. They continued to work and to serve. And so Christ preached. Um, they didn't have enough money for food. Uh, they didn't even have any food either as well to feed the multitude in this really secluded place. And the, the disciples and the Lord saw the need to feed the multitude lest they faint along the way from exhaustion, from ex being so exhausted. So there was a great need and it was potentially a very dangerous situation with a multitude of people that would be fainting in, um, in the middle of nowhere. So the disciples suggested sending him away so that they could buy their own food from the surrounding towns. But Christ told them not to send them away, uh, but to feed them. And we know this from looking at all four Gospels. So we know the story in its greater fullness by looking at all four Gospels. They responded saying they, that they didn't have enough food except what, what this little boy had, which was um, a few loaves and a, few, and a couple of fish. Five loaves and two fish. And he asked uh, that the five loaves and two fish be brought to him and made the multitude sit down in groups of 50. So he blessed the small offering that the little child gave. And when the apostles uh, reached forward to grab the, um, the basket that Christ blessed, they were able to feed the multitudes of 5,000 men, not including women and children, uh, from just this small, uh, small offering that this little boy gave. So in this amazing story and why the church teaches us to always keep it in front of us, uh, we find a lot of really beneficial teachings from it. And the priest, uh, and I've talked to other priests, they struggle sometimes to find sermons, right? Because they have to always talk about it because it's always being read on Sundays. But it's such a deep uh, story that you can always find different lessons and meanings in that same uh, passage of Scripture. So in it we find inspiration. We increase our understanding uh, if we allow it, will have a really positive impact on our lives uh, and a long-lasting change in our lives. Uh, we obtain a greater depth of understanding in His divinity as He showed His power of creation, that same power of creation that He had at the beginning of time uh, before the ages. We're encouraged to seek the heavenly food because if we keep reading in the Gospel of St. John, the multitude followed Him seeking food. They thought they had a jackpot, right? They just followed Christ for the food and he rebuking them said, do not seek this food only, but seek the spiritual food as well. And as he told Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Um, we're, uh, we are taught to love God more than the gifts that he gives us, right? We're, we love the giver of the gift, not just the gifts themselves. For all the good things, of course, come from him. 
Um, and we should hunger and thirst for the giver of the gift, not just for the gift. We learn that God takes the smallest sacrifices and makes them great. You know, no matter what we have, even like the two mites of the widow or whatever effort we can put in service of God, God takes that little offering that we have and He makes it a huge blessing, right? So that in the end, it's not the person who has a lot or the person who has a little, but God Himself who gives the growth to whatever offering we, we can give Him. We also get a glimpse of the spirit of service, which is what we'll talk about today, that our Lord and the apostles themselves showed and that we can learn from. The miracle highlights the depths of God's love and, and the apostles themselves as well, how much love they had towards those in need. Um, they saw that the people were hungry and that they followed Christ and, and they had compassion on the multitude because they showed such dedication to Christ, right? And so they were preemptive and said, Lord, you know, send the people away so that they can find something. They interceded on, the beh- on behalf of the people. They had that genuine care. Uh, it reminds me of a story of St. Athanasius. Um, he was our 20th patriarch. He was called the apostolic because he had this apostolic type of care for his people. One time and during one of his many exiles, and anyone who knows his inspiring story knows that of the you know 40 years he was pope, he was exiled for over half of those years. Uh, he, he was exiled five times. So he was always getting in trouble because of the church and state issue that, that was happening at the time. And so one time the emperor sent soldiers in to arrest him and, and the cathedral was full and it was during the Tisbaha, it was during the midnight praise and um, the soldiers surrounded so the monks wanted to take him out of the church and he refused. He said, I'm not leaving the church until each one of the people get out safely. So as the soldiers came in and started surrounding the walls of the church, he order, um, ordered that all the people should leave out of the church immediately and he stayed there. Um, the the soldiers could have gotten him and and killed him right there. He stayed until the very last person left the church, and then by force the monks took him out of the church. He had that genuine care for the congregation that he was serving. Um, So to have care and compassion for the people like St. Athanasius did and like the apostles did, and to pray for and make supplication for those around us is a thing common with all the saints to consider the interests of others as well as our own, not just the saints, but Christ himself, who, who uh, sacrificed himself on the cross, died on, for the salvation of the world, and came in the form to, of a servant. He didn't come uh, as the king he was. He came, even though he was still a king, he came in the form of a servant, serving others. Um, the late Bishop Ioannis uh, uh, John of uh, Garbia wrote a nice book uh, in his series, Paradise, of the Spirit about service. So we'll talk about a few points about service. First, we find ourselves, um, uh, he makes um, a, a few points of this Christian service, right? The first thing he says is that we find ourselves in the service of others. We find our peace and our joy in the service of others. As Christ said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, Gandhi, and I'm sure he was inspired by this verse, said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Um, service allows for a practical way to transform our inner self, right? To transform being self-centered to having love and uh, service towards other people. From a private sphere of just myself to a broader sphere of including others as well. 
And so this provides a true happiness and fulfillment in life, right? It doesn't uh, actually take away from you the more you give service. It actually gives you greater uh, rewards and true spiritual happiness and a, a more fulfilling life. Those who make such a transform transformation find that source of true happiness. Um, and they find that true happiness lies in not in possessing everything for myself, but sharing those possessions with others. As the Lord says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Happiness comes when our lives uh, are more fulfilling, and, and fulfillment comes from the service of others for Christ's sake. But where someone is self-centered and focused just their own, on just their own fulfillment, you'll find that they're not very happy. They're, they're full of misery and sadness and depression. Um, but pure service uh, can be the antidote for that kind of a person. Uh, and, and that's kind of sad state of life. Uh, service can be the antidote and the solution to their problem. Who shall we serve? Seeing the people in need, they felt compassion and cared for their well-being, the apostles. The apostles gave a great example for us, um, and it's needed in the world today, right? Sometimes we find those who care not just about themselves, but maybe they'll care about their family, right? And then some of them have even extended it to their extended family. So their sphere of care is now with their uncles and aunts and cousins, right? Very few, right? Most people focus on their myself or maybe their own family, or maybe they've even extended it a little bit farther to their extended family um, and showing care for them as well. Others have uh, shown greater concern, right? They extended a little bit farther and they're involved in their community, in their local church, as you guys are. Uh, their neighborhoods, their schools, their children go to, they volunteer for certain things. Uh, they, they coach a, uh, like a, a sports team or something like that. Uh, fewer still have increased their sphere, their sphere of love to include concern for their country or for, their, or for the entire world. But the church teaches us to broaden that sphere of care, to broaden that love that we have, not just for ourselves, but for everyone in the whole world. During the liturgy, the deacon says, pray for the safety and salvation of the world and of this city of ours and of all cities, districts, islands, and monasteries. And it's not difficult to have that kind of uh, love and that care for everyone around you when you really taste the love of God. Have you ever eaten at like a really good restaurant? And you, what, what is the first thing you do? You want to go and you want to share where that restaurant was with everyone you meet, right? Or if you've watched a Laker game, and lately it's been easier to watch Laker games. They've been winning lately. But, you know, you want to go the next day at work and you want to share what exactly happened, right? So you want to be able to share whenever you taste something good. You can't help but to share that with the people around you. It's the same thing with those who have tasted that the Lord is good, the, the relationship with God. They can't help but to share. The apostles were going to preach all over the world. Christ, I mean, nothing can hold them back. They, they were dying to talk about it. Christ gave them the permission. They said, it's okay to go. And they were like, okay. And then they went all over the world and they even sacrificed their whole, um, their life for it, for the message. So what kind of service? Our Lord kind of outlines the kind of service that we need. He says, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to, to me. <clears throat> in this brief description of service, we find two layers, though, of service. The first, the physical, and then the second layer is the spiritual. Uh, 
The spiritual one, of course, is the one that is has greater profoundness, greater meaning, and and provides that greater fulfillment in the soul, in the service. For example, when he says, "For I was hungry and you gave me food, and I was thirsty and you gave me drink," providing food for the hungry people is amazing. It's an amazing service. <clears throat> it provides comfort to those people in need. <clears throat> you wouldn't think that living here in Southern California, there's people that are really hungry. But there are. There's a lot of people actually who can't afford to even find, and they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And <clears throat> they need people like yourselves to go and serve them by providing food or providing the resources to provide them food. But there's a deeper meaning as well, a more profound meaning in this kind of a service. After feeding the multitudes, Christ tells uh, the multitude, do not labor for the food which perishes, but seek the spiritual food. And so when the apostles gave them food, this was a prelude um, to what they would do later on in their life. They gave them the physical food now. Later on, they would give not just the multitude, but the whole world the spiritual food. In fact, we are still eating of that spiritual food today because of the work of the apostles. Just like they were fishers of fish, right? They were fishermen. God later on became, gave them to be fishers of men. Um, even today, though, we're still benefiting and, and eating, as it were, from that spiritual food. Likewise, our true service is when we lead others to that same spiritual food from that fountain of living water so that they may never hunger again. That true hunger and thirst, which is that inner hunger and thirst for something that is, uh, has greater meaning than just the physical food. I was a stranger and you took me in. There, there are many who are lonely and strangers in the world. The, um, and it's amazing sometimes when you, when you find them. Here Christ rewards those who befriends and provides fellowship to those who are lonely. They provide fellowship to people like who are outcasts, the isolated, the marginalized, the discontented, people who are disillusioned, the disenfranchised, the alienated, the excluded. All those people, um, they need fellowship. And when there's a service of providing fellowship to those people, they do a good thing. It is a good thing. But let's not stop there, right? We should use those fellowships and friendships that we have that God blessed us with, right? Like all the blessings He's given us, our friendships are a blessing. But we should use that blessing to have that fellowship lead to a true fellowship, which is fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, there they'll find that true and unfailing friendship, right? And that true and unfailing um, friend, um, uh, you know, uh, fellowship and friendship with God. These are the true servants that that do that. They don't just—they're not just happy with friendships, but they use their friendships to give and to point to that greater friend who never fails. I was naked and you clothed me. Anyone who follows municipal city agendas and their city council meetings, especially here in Southern California, know that homelessness is one of the big issues that um, that currently all of the cities are dealing with. Thousands are homeless around here, even in in our area without food, clothing, or shelter. Uh, there is a great need in this service. But in addition to clothing, you know, providing clothes to those who are uh, naked or are cold at night and providing warmth on those cold nights, those are all blessings. But we can also offer a, a greater type, a more expensive type of clothing, which is the spiritual clothing, made of righteousness to cover the sin. Point him to our Lord who clothes all of us with righteousness when we are naked because of sin. Uh, he clothes us uh, with righteousness even though He was naked Himself on the cross uh, for our sake. 
I was sick and you visited me. Physical sickness, um, and uh, even when very seriously, uh, when serious sickness is kind of overcomes us, uh, it becomes almost bearable when we have a friend who is standing next to us. Offering such a service brings patience and a glimmer of joy in the middle of darkness for someone who has a sickness, but uh, by visiting them and being with them in their, in their troubles. And, and all of that is a blessing to go visit them. But we are limited, so we need to also offer them that visitation of the one who offers true healing, not just healing of physical, our physical state, but healing of our spiritual state as well. We have to be like those four friends who brought in uh, their, their friend to Christ and, and even encountered obstacles and found a solution by putting a hole through the roof and, and giving uh, that person at the feet of Christ where Christ healed him. That even during the darkest days, Christ is with us, and it's a call to strengthen our faith. I mean, that's the message we should send to uh, those who are sick, and so that they can look to Him who provides the true healing. And He says, I was in prison, and you came to me. The Coptic Church here in Southern California has a lot of prison ministries, and we also partner with other organizations as well. Many of these people in prison are very desperate. They're humbled by their situation, they're lonely, and many times they're in despair. So that despair oftentimes causes them to be worse in prison than had they have been if they were in the world because of that despair. And through the visitation and words of comfort and hope, they're provided that they see that glimmer of hope. But physically, they're still in prison, right? But when we encounter Christ, they encounter the one who is able to free everyone that gives us that true liberty, the liberty from sin, um, the liberty that brings true freedom, that true sense of freedom. Because there's people who are not in prison but are slaves and are bounded and are in prison of sin in their daily lives. So Christ comes and He gives us that true freedom, um, and so we should point them to that. So it's a true service to free someone from this kind of prison, the prison of sin. So in all of these kinds of services, we find those two layers, right? Healing people with physical needs is a blessing and a noble service, but the nobler service is also to bring them closer to the true source uh, of all that is needed, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. But who should we serve? There are some who, um, who refuse to serve, saying, I'm not the one to serve. Uh, these are kind of people who have the capability, the resources, the spiritual and intellectual gifts, but they he or she refuses to serve. And of course that's wrong, right? When we have an ability to serve and we don't serve, that is wrong. And there's some common reasons why people don't serve. Uh, for example, that one may say, I'm a sinner, I'm not worthy to serve, so they don't serve. But such a person who waits until they're righteous uh, is never going to serve, right? Because who is not a sinner, right? We don't wait until we're pure to serve. We serve with God, because it's God who is not a sinner, He's holy, right? We serve through Him, and we lean on His righteousness, not our own. In fact, um, when the more we become spiritually mature, the more we may feel that we are the worst of sinners. Um, have we ever met somebody who's really spiritually mature that says, I'm no longer a sinner? Uh, that, that doesn't happen, right? The more a spiritually mature somebody is, the more they have that feeling that they're a sinner, and in fact, the more they serve at that point. Uh, true service may come with honor, of course, because God will give it, but we know that this honor, of course, comes from God, whether we're sinners or not. It is, it is God who gives it, and to Him be glory and honor. 
no matter how we feel unworthy, we should be willing to work. Some people say, well, I'm waiting for God's call to point me in the right direction. You know, they're waiting for some kind of vision or miracle or something like that, um, that, you know, to, to have a clear call to serve God. Though this has happened in history, of course, it is not the general rule. Um, God's calling usually comes in the form of allowing you to recognize that there is a need. Once you recognize that there is someone in need, that is your calling to act. That is the calling that we need to God. Otherwise, God would not have revealed it to us. That is our calling to at least do some sort of service to the, uh, on that topic. And the service can be as simple as a prayer, or it can be actually getting your hands dirty and jumping in and actually serving. Um, God's calling usually is in the form of recognizing there is a need with God's help. We, we all know the story of St. Peshoy, but in, the, in case somebody doesn't know the story, I'll go ahead and say it. And if you know it, bear with me. So we know the story of St. Peshoy used to see uh, Christ a lot, right? Christ would appear to him many times. And the, uh, the other monks around him would say, you know, we'd like to see Christ as well. And so he said, you know, this is not up to me, this is up to Christ. And so they still kept pushing him. And because of his obedience, he went to Christ and he asked him, Lord, you know, they want to see you as well. So our Lord appeared to him and told him, okay, I will appear on this date and time and on this hill. So it was like a little hill that they had to go on top of this hill is where Christ would appear. So he told the monks, and on this day and on that time, all the monks began to walk up this hill. And there was this little monk on the side, an older monk, who um, was not able to go up the hill because of his age and frailty, right? And he couldn't go up there. And so each time a monk would pass by, he would say, can you help me? I'd like to see the Lord too. Would you mind helping me go up? And each monk would pass by saying, no, I, I don't have time for it. I'm in a hurry. I got to go see the Lord. And they would each one by one, be requested, yet each one of them would see the, the man in need and walk right by him. So came St. Beshoy, right? St. Beshoy walks by and the monk, the old frail monk says, would you mind helping me? I too want to go up on the hill. So St. Beshoy said, sure. And he grabbed him and he put the old frail man on his shoulder and he begins, and St. Beshoy himself was old at the time as well. And he begins to trek up the hill, carrying this old man on top of him. As he's walking up the hill, he notices that the, the man is getting heavier and heavier on his shoulder. And he's having greater difficulty going up the hill. And finally he looks at the feet of the man and he finds the wounds of Christ where the nails pierced him. And this miracle was able to um, you know, open up his eyes and he saw that it was the Christ. And... He looked at Christ and said, I'm not worthy of carrying you. And Christ said, because you have done so, your body will not decay. Until this day it has not. And so, what is the lesson of that? It's such a profound story, right? That, that shows the lesson that you want to see Christ. You want to have faith. We want to serve, right? We want to um, live a fulfilling life. God has these old people there all the time who are asking for help and support and guess what that's where we will find Christ we will find Christ not sitting on the sidelines and watching others serve we find Christ when we ourselves roll up our sleeves and jump in into the service and there we will find him we will find Christ himself serving alongside of us strengthening us and giving us strength from on high to serve 
Many other people find other um, excuses. Family, wife, kids, husbands, parents, lack of money either for my own personal self or lack of money in the service itself. Uh, some people are afraid of politics in service or difficulty of the service itself. Maybe it's a very difficult service, etc., right? A lot of excuses uh, exist. All of these reasons, of course, are not good reasons for, because God himself provides everything we need. Uh, in fact, the pure service is always accompanied by the grace and the help from God. And um, we find those serving will be blessed to overcome all these, all these excuses and any other excuses. So who should we serve? We should serve. Who should serve? Everyone is invited. Everyone is invited to serve. It can be whatever capacity one has to offer from prayer to money to um, volunteer work to doing whatever we can. Uh, I've oftentimes come in the church and found people vacuuming. This is a service, right? God has blessed uh, the service and those who He serves. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for example. When we're participating in making peace between God and people, we will become like the children of God. So having this mind of Christ, this service, because having a, a service mind, a mind full of service, is having the mind of Christ and having the mind of the apostles. That mind brings fullness in life and joy through service and can belong to anyone um, and is the responsibility actually of every Christian. So as St. James says, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament in the sky, like the stars, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever. Amen. In Daniel. Uh, 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 3. So having this mind of Christ to serve doesn't only belong to the priests or the Sunday school teachers or the deacons, but it belongs to all. So since uh, service should be founded on love and faith, which are the qualities of all Christians, then service is for all Christians. Let us love um, all, right? And let us serve all. So let's close with the words of St. John in his first epistle, chapter 3. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for, our, for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods, and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So may God help us to be like the apostles who saw that the world around us was starving and fainting because of the lack of truth in it and labored even to the point of martyrdom uh, because of their love to share the blessings that he has given us through service to the glory and honor of his holy name forever. Amen.